Hello, this is Derek Ray, and you're listening to Bavarian Podcast Works. Hello and welcome to yet another episode of the Bavarian Podcast Works Show. Thank you very much for tuning in. My name is Jake Fenner and I am joined, as always, by my brother-in-arms on this project, Tom Adams. Tom, how are you doing today? Slightly under the weather, currently battling uh, a little bit of a cold, as you can probably hear in my voice. But nonetheless, I'm, I'm still in a very good mood because we have some Bayern wins to report on. The perfect start to 2020 continues top of the table on to the next round of the day after April call let's go a little cold isn't going to keep me down love the optimism there Tommy so yes we will be talking about Byron's midweek game against Hoffenheim in the DFB Pokal and then we will also because this episode is coming out so late in the week be talking about the upcoming title fight this Sunday against RB Leipzig but first before we get into all of that we get to go to the most boring game I've seen from Bayern in a long time but that's because of how much of a beatdown it was that game of course the one I'm talking about is the one we played last weekend in the Bundesliga in the third game of the Rukrunda against Mainz it was an absolute 3-1 snooze fest of a game. First goal came in the 8th minute when Benjamin Pavard found Robert Lewandowski's head right in the middle. It might have been his easiest goal he's scored all season. He was just unmarked in the middle, four guys standing around him, nobody really on him, and he was just able to easily put the ball into the back of the net off of his head. 24th minute, Robert Lewandowski tries to score again, but has a clash with the Mainz goalkeeper. The ball trickled away to the feet of Leon Goretzka, who teed up Tomas Müller, who was running into the box with the easiest finish he could have possibly asked for, 2-0 to Bayern. Not two minutes later, we have one of our other potential nominees for goal of the year, Thiago using an absolute beautiful bit of skill, some wonderful fancy footwork, nutmegs a guy, slots it into the far post, makes it 3 to nothing. And then just before halftime in the 45th minute, Mainz scored their only goal of the game. It was a really weird deflection off the corner when their defender, St. Juiced, tried to head it down. It bounced off the top of the head of Leon Goretzka and kind of looped over the hands of Manuel Neuer into the back of the Bayern net to make it 3-1 just before the half. And there it would stay. There was nothing incredibly close in this game from the Bayern perspective. Mainz had one really close opportunity late in the game, but Neuer was able to easily handle that. And just like that, that was the end of the game. Three points wrapped up for Bayern Munich. And now we can firmly say we are at the top of the table, back where we belong Tom, what did you think of uh, of the performance to put D. Roten back where we are rightly supposed to be? It's funny, you know, we oftentimes joke about players and managers and people on coaching staff, you know, do any of them listen to Bavarian Podcast Works? And in this situation, I have to be convinced that Akeem Bayer-Lorter definitely listened to our Ausblick previewing this one because I was like, you know, Jake, I think in this situation he's really going to pack down his midfield as much as he can, and I think he's probably going to 
bring guys back in like Leonardo Barrero, uh, Levin Unstanali, and you know what? That's exactly what he did uh, in the starting lineup. I think his intentions were very clear. Try and keep that midfield congested just ahead of the back line um, and make it difficult for Bayern to navigate through those spaces. But as you mentioned, um, the three goals in the first half, especially within the first half hour, it really made it seem like this was quickly going to turn from a 3-0 to about a 6-0 or a 7-0. Um, I think one of the main differences from a mind's perspective, you know, you always hate on a human level to see someone get subbed off uh, in the 30th minute, especially if the player isn't having a nightmare of a performance or if there's no injury. Um, and that, of course, I'm referring to his tactical substitution uh, of Pierre Kunda to bring on uh, the captain who's returning from injury, Danny Latza, who is a bit more uh, defensive and stable-minded uh, in the midfield for Mainz than, than Kunda is. And I think that's really what Bayer Lortzer was thinking there, like, oh, my God, you know, I have to prevent this from going 4-0 or 5-0 before we even, you know, go into the dressing room for halftime because Bayern were just, were just tearing them apart by moving the ball quickly, you know, getting those early crosses. And the beauty of Lewandowski's openers is this was just simple play. Tiago had the ball just inside of Mainz's half, plays a very quick out ball to Pavard. Pavard takes one little quick touch, fires it into Lewandowski. And as you mentioned, Lewandowski just kind of had to make contact uh, on his head with that ball because of the pace it had on it. And, you know, the keeper had absolutely no chance. And I think that that was one of the plays that just defined uh, what was so effective for Bayern in this game, working their way uh, around those deep blocks, those tight spaces, the congested the congested midfield, uh, as I just spoke of. You know, when that ball stays moving, it's much, much harder for the defense to get set uh, and to keep track of. And, and I just think this was another match where that triple midfield pivot of Tiago, Leon Goretzka, and then Joshua Kimmich as a number six. I think so much of this performance, we have to really look at you know how much more effective. First off, let me say a fully confident Tiago is a an absolute blessing to watch. When he's taking players on like that, right on the edge of the box, having the confidence to just flick the ball uh, into a couple yards of space, take guys on, and then, then fire in a goal like that, it's just simply amazing, and you'd much rather have him do that in those areas of the pitch than where he might have used to do that when um, he had been used as a deeper-lying midfield. You know, you don't want him trying those things uh, in our own defensive third because it can cause bad situations, you know, if he loses the ball in those areas. And I think we've really found, and Hansi Flick has found, how effective Thiago can be uh, as an eight as opposed to a six or a deeper-lying midfield or deeper-lying midfielder, excuse me. I think that Kimmich, uh, for the long term, is going to be that uh, de facto bonafide uh, number six with uh, Goretzka and Thiago playing just ahead of him. You know, I do think Tolisso has to, he really has his work cut out for him, I should say, to try and get one of those other two spots. But I think right now when we're looking at our best 11, Kimmich and Thiago both have to be in that midfield and Kimmich has to be at that six, giving Thiago uh, that license to go more forward because I think we just saw in this game just how effective he can be, whether it's uh, distributing the ball, laterally, uh, diagonally, forward, taking players on, making the right decision. Uh, it's just, I think that this game, one of the biggest things for, for me, the glaringly obvious statistic was how effective he was, uh, not to discredit anyone else's performance. But yeah, and then from the Mainz perspective, that substitution changed everything. That one goal before halftime gave them a little bit of hope. But yeah, let's be honest, if Goretzka doesn't deflect that, Neuer had it, you know, it was a bit of a fluke. Uh, especially because Goretzka was having such a great game. It was his hustle that basically created Thomas Muller's goal 
you know, as he got to the loose ball off of uh, Lewandowski having that, uh, that, that pretty rough collision with Zentner uh, and then finding Muller in that space. But um, unlucky deflection. Neuer would have had it otherwise. A couple of decent half chances for Mainz in the second half, but the damage was really done in the first half. And Bayern were a bit lackluster compared to the first half and the second half, but you know, a win is a win. As you mentioned, this took us to the top of the table, and there's going to be no looking back from here. And with that, we're going to go ahead and take a very quick break. I told you this was going to be a quick segment, but when we come back, we will be talking about the much more interesting fixture Bayern had against Hoffenheim. Welcome back, and now we get to talk about Bayern's midweek DFB Pokal matchup against Hoffenheim. It was a very close contest, really, from beginning to end. There was a stretch in the middle that Bayern did pull away. We did get the win, 4-3, but it got very close. It was a very tense final couple of minutes. So let's go all the way back to the beginning. Both sides, each side scored the first two goals of the game, but they just forgot which net they should be scoring on. Eighth minute, Jerome Boateng tries to clear away a low cross sent in by Hoffenheim winger Ilhas Bebo, but unfortunately, he kind of just instinctively stuck his leg out, and then it just trickled over the line beyond Manuel Neuer, who pounded the ground in anger. 1-0 to Hoffenheim, but then just five minutes later, Alfonso Davies sends in a very low cross and finds... Thomas Müller, or is it Hübner from Hoffenheim? It was a bit of a debate for a while, and after kind of slowing it down and going frame by frame, I took a look. It really does look like it comes off of the inside of Hübner's knee. So we got two own goals to start off this game within a matter of five minutes apart from each other. How insane is that? Seven minutes later, Thomas Müller finally made his way onto that goal sheet. There was no question about that. And this goal is almost entirely thanks to a beautiful lofted pass from David Alaba, who made the ball fall right in front of Tomas, who was running into the box. 2-1 to Bayern. 36th minute, another great long ball from David Alaba to Thomas Müller, but unfortunately this time the Hoffenheim keeper met it, tried to punch it away, but Robert Lewandowski was able to meet it, rose up because the keeper did not punch it far enough away, headed it in, 3-1 Bayern Munich. And that's the way it stood up until halftime and throughout most of the game, up until the 80th minute when Robert Lewandowski took a corner from Joshua Kimmich and just headed it in to make it 4-2-1. But then two minutes later, Hoffenheim start putting the pressure on. Dabor had some beautiful footwork in after a really low cross, was able to seal out a Bayern defender and then just slot one in right underneath Manuel Neuer. Five hold him, made it 4-2. And then in the 90th plus two minute, five minutes of stoppage time were added on to this game. It seemed like an excessive amount of time, at least in my opinion. Benjamin Pavard could not be able to clear a cross away. He tried to kick it out of bounds for a corner kick, but it hit off the post, trickled in front of Neuer. He couldn't save it. Pavard couldn't get to it, and Dabur put it in again, a brace for him on this game. But time ran out before Hoffenheim could force extra time. 4-3, to three, the final score from this one. 
Tom, this was a intense game. It was a fun game to watch from a neutral fan's perspective. It was an even more exciting game to watch from a Bayern fan's perspective as we are moving on to the quarterfinals of the day of Bay Pokal. What were your thoughts on the result and this fixture as a whole? Well, right from the outset, from a tactical perspective, just seeing the team sheet about an hour before kickoff, you knew from Bayern's perspective, it was going to be a little different. Both uh, Thiago and Leon Goretzka uh, were moved to the bench after uh, starting a series of three games in that uh, that triple midfield pivot of Kimmich, Thiago, and Goretzka. Uh, and it was Kimmich and Tolisso in the midfield for this one. Um, and Alfred Schroeder, I thought, uh, was a, a little bit uh, audacious with his lineup selection, kind of playing a 3-4-3 of sorts with Larson, Kramerich, uh, and Elas Bebu leading the line, and then a packed midfield, Zuber, Grilich, Nordweit, uh, an ex-Bayern player, uh, Sebastian Rudy uh, in the midfield. And at times, part of me thinks that uh, Schroeder, part of his game plan was to negate uh, the threat because he knows that both Benjamin Pavard and Alfonso Davies love to roam forward, as they did for large portions of this game. You know, at times it did look as if Bayern were playing a uh, like a three-two-four-one of sorts with the amount of times that Pavard and Davies were overlapping and getting up towards Gnabry, Muller, and Coutinho and Lewandowski, um, and then Kimmich and Ortelisa would kind of sit in that space that they would leave behind. Um, I think that looking at Hoffenheim's lineup, I think what Shorter was trying to do was using guys like Zuber and Sebastian Rudy to kind of uh, negate those threats and kind of keep this space tight uh, when Bayern were trying to exploit it, but. It's kind of weird. Both teams seemed kind of very open uh, in the opening phases of this game. And it kind of almost suited Bayern better because Hoffenheim were being brave, sending numbers forward. It just left so much space in behind, especially with the fact that Bayern were playing such a high line. So they were really able, once they won possession, to really uh, move the ball quickly and get those those quick chances. And as you mentioned, that first own goal in the eighth minute kind of did come against the run of play. I, I thought Boateng... He definitely had to stick his foot out. Larson was just waiting to get a, a foot on that diagonal cross, but of course, Boateng completely botched the clearance. But you know, after that, it was kind of one-way traffic. Hubner returning the favor with his own goal, and <laughs> just one of the notes I have too is just we've had some of these evenings before, or these afternoons, whether at, whether it's at the Allianz Arena or a different ground, where we just have chance after chance after chance. You know, I have in my notes Gnabry with a couple of chances, uh, Coutinho with a couple of chances, Lewandowski, uh, including the one where he um, he volleyed it home with his left foot, where he was just ruled offside in the build-up to the play. Just chance after chance after chance you know Lewandowski finished with a brace but he very easily could have had four or five goals in this one um and and yes before you know Hoffenheim got their two goals in the second half Lewandowski got his uh, his second goal off the corner kick Byron's fourth of the match and at the time it had slightly gone against the run of play I thought Hoffenheim were starting to grow back into the match a little bit it kind of just mentally seemed like that fourth goal switched the off button for Bayern because it was like, okay, we're 4-1 up. Uh, there's not long to go. Uh, it had to come in the 80th minute, and, you know, all right, we're cruising on to the next round of the DFB Pokal. Hansi Flick makes the decision to bring on Mikhail Cuisance and Joshua Zersky for uh, Muller and Lewandowski, respectively. And, you know, you can't really blame Flick for making those substitutions for the context and, you know, given the narrative of what was happening at that point. But it just seemed like mentally that just kind of took the uh, 
the foot off the gas a little bit from from Byron's perspective, you know, and it was just some individual errors that led to Hoffenheim getting those two goals and making it way too close for comfort. And I think that the four three scoreline just really doesn't reflect the overall balance of the game and how effective Bayern were, especially going forward. I think this was one of their stronger offensive performances. Those uh, lapses in concentration at the end that they definitely have to avoid. Yes, it is the day after April call, so goal difference doesn't mean anything. Just as long as you get the win, you go through. But yeah, you just Pavard at the end, you know, for that second goal, or excuse me, the third goal that Hoffenheim scored, he just Let's, um, I forget who gets the initial shot off far too easily, and then he's slow to uh, collect the rebound off the post, gets beaten to it, and on the first one, that ball gets played into the box, and I believe it was David Alba just gets pretty much bodied by DeBoer and just lets him spin far too easily. And I know I was joking with you uh, before we started recording this, you know, of all the saves that, uh, that Neuer's made this season and, you know, a couple of fine saves from this match uh, against Hoffenheim, like the one that he lets go in is from uh, the near post and it kind of hits off the inside of his left leg and, and goes in, you know, you, you would have thought that he had that covered, but you know, a win is a win. We're on to the next round of the day after April call. I believe there's only one team left in the competition. That's not a, a Bundesliga team. So it's definitely going to be a very enticing and uh, scintillating next round. Looking at those other ties that you had kind of mentioned, this seems like, Easy sailing for Bayern Munich throughout the rest of this tournament. Looking elsewhere in the in the competition, Werder Bremen knocked out Borussia Dortmund three to two in a very close close game. I know maybe one of the fans out there is not terribly happy about Werder Bremen moving on, but for the rest of us, we're happy that Borussia Dortmund isn't there. Eintracht Frankfurt knocked out Arbe Leipzig in the Pokal as well. Beautiful counter-attacking football from them, especially Filip Kostic, who scored some wonderful, wonderful goals. That second goal, I believe, only had three touches to it from midfield to slotting it in. Great performance from them. And finally, the fourth division dream stays alive for our other favorite club that we are rooting for. One FC Saarbrücken advanced in penalties over Karlsruhe. They advanced 5-3 on penalties. The other remaining teams in this competition are Schalke, Bayer Leverkusen, Union Berlin, and Fortuna Dusseldorf. I personally want Saarbrücken to keep going. I want them to go to the semifinals, so I kind of hope that they draw Fortuna Dusseldorf. As for Bayern, I personally would love to see a Bayern Union Berlin matchup. I think that would be an insane environment at the uh, at the Forsterei in Berlin. It's a beautiful stadium. It's a packed stadium. It should be a lot of fun. If that ever came to it, whoever's going to be playing Union is going to have a really tough time trying to win there. Tom, who do you hope that we draw out of the uh, teams listed here? Well, exactly. You don't want to be, I don't want to be the guy to say, I hope Sauerbrücken's dream ends with us and by virtue of them drawing us in the next round. Um, so I'll avoid that and just say, you know, of the teams that are left, you know, we've already beaten most of them uh, in the regular season. Uh, so just looking at the fact that Eintracht, as you mentioned, with that counter-attacking football, you know, coming up with an impressive 
win to knock out RB Leipzig, I would actually love a shot at revenge against them because I know that, unfortunately, we all remember our last encounter with Eintracht Frankfurt, which was the end for Nico Kovac, that 5-1, uh, just where it all went wrong and that kind of uh, was the catalyst for change at our club. You know, it was the final nail in the coffin. So I would personally love to get another shot at them, knock them out of the cup, knock them off their high horse after uh, knocking off, or excuse me, knocking out RB Leipzig. So... I'll be looking for that one. I, I really do hope we uh, get another go at Eintracht. And, I mean, at this point, um, Saarbrücken is the only non-Bundesliga team left. So, you know, why not make it a uh, an absolutely salivating affair? Now we're going to go ahead and take another break. And then when we get back, we take a look at the matchup against RB Leipzig. And we're back taking a look at the upcoming weekend's fixture in this segment, I guess. It's not an episode of Der Ausblick, where we will be taking on RB Leipzig, the team that we recently jumped in terms of the Bundesliga standings. RB Leipzig are now second in the table. They have a 12-5-3 record. They are on 41 points. Top scorer... Timo Werner, 20 goals, 20 games. He's a very consistent goal scorer. He's currently second in the league behind Robert Lewandowski. Behind him, you have another phenomenal force in the attacking game in Marcel Sabitzer. He has seven. Then behind him, you got a youngster, 10 games, five goals for Patrick Schick. And then tied with four goals apiece are Christopher Nkuku, as well as Emil Forsberg. Nkuku is their assists leader, and then behind him is Werner, then Sabitzer. Nkuku has really come out as a phenomenal force this year. We will get to talking about him, and we will get to talking about Werner later. But one name that I did not mention in this, who has been a consistent threat for Leipzig in the last couple of years, is Yusuf Polson. He's really not been that consistent for this team. He's only got three goals in 16 Bundesliga games, but he has more assists than he does goals, funny enough. Tom, it's been a weird spot for him, a player that we usually expect to be performing at a high level, not only just in the Bundesliga, but internationally. He was great for Denmark in the World Cup and during their Euro qualifications. What does he need to do in order to come back stronger? Yeah, just as you mentioned, he's definitely not uh, anywhere near where he was last season or perhaps even the season before. Uh but as you mentioned, you know, he does have such a, a presence in, in especially high up the pitch for Leipzig when he is involved. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised, actually. I know that Nagelsmann, he loves to go for pace in his lineups, especially with Werner lead, leading the line, as you mentioned. Uh, and Kunku has really come into his own uh, in this Leipzig side. As I also think that Patrick Schick has been a very consistent presence, whether he starts or come on comes on as a sub. Um, but I was actually kind of thinking, you know, with the way that Hansi Flick has been consistently setting up uh, his backline, you know, I wouldn't be too surprised to see Nagelsmann maybe rolling the dice a little bit uh, and starting both Werner and, and Paulson up front. You know, Paulson gives you that that physical presence, that height, you know, the uh, the aerial ability. And I think that if he strategically kind of plays uh, Paulson a little bit up to the right, 
uh, and Byron's left, you know, kind of against Alaba, he kind of has that height advantage there and that physicality. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Nagelsmann uh, utilizing that. And, you know, from Paulson's perspective, he just needs to make the most of his opportunities, you know, not be wasteful in front of goal um, and make the uh, the most of the minutes that he's given because obviously, you know, he, he's fallen slightly out of favor with the depth uh, in attack that, that Nagelsmann finds himself with currently. Now we go ahead and take a look at the two threats in setting up goals and in scoring them. Timo Werner, an absolute goal-scoring machine, as I mentioned, in a a goal-per-game player. He's been absolutely phenomenal for them, both in the Champions League as well as in the Bundesliga. And behind him, Christopher Nkuku has really developed himself into one of those players that does very well moving the ball and being a great playmaker. And both of them will pose a threat to a very injured and very hampered Bayern back line. What does that back line need to do tactically? And just overall, what do they need to do to slow them down? Especially, as you mentioned, with the pace of those two guys, I think one of the major points of emphasis uh, for Bayern's back line, so much uh, of the tactical decisions since Hansi Flick has taken charge, you know, just beginning of uh, January, as Thomas Muller uh, had talked about, is those those higher lines um, and those tighter spaces in between the lines. And, you know, if you think about against Leipzig, if Bayern are playing such a high line with Boateng and Alba pressed up near the midway line, you do not want to get in a foot race with either Nkuku or special, especially uh, Timo Werner, especially Boateng. You know, maybe we can back Alba for pace to uh, to catch up or Davies because obviously his pace is uh, inhuman. But you, we just have to be so careful playing that high line as as we like to do because it just takes one out ball. Timo Werner gets in behind, uh, and, and you're done, and he's going to create a chance on goal or whether it's him or Nkuku. So I think that Bayern really, really need to be careful picking and choosing uh, their phases roaming forward, especially the center backs, because the more space you leave in behind, the more Timo Werner is going to be licking his lips. You know, you've got to contain that. And playing a high line can be very, very dangerous against uh, such a pacey striker. Now, you mentioned him before and you mentioned his pace and we have talked about him before. But I really think that another incredibly special mention needs to go to Alfonso Davies because he's absolutely amazing, not only for his TikToks, which I highly recommend everybody goes out and watch. There have been a lot of articles that have come out this week of all weeks that have been talking about how Alfonso Davies has been absolutely mastering social media, which is one hilarious to see and I've been following him for a while he's hilarious he's a funny person he of course we some of us remember from a couple weeks ago he did those imitations of uh, goal scoring celebrations and he disrespected our boy Thomas Muller but we still love and appreciate that because he's hilarious but outside of that this kid is an absolute monster on the wings, at specifically at left back. I had my reservations about him before, but I am in love with Alfonso Davies for his style of play, for his intense physicality, his pace up and down the wings, being able to basically shut down any pacey defender in a foot race. I would, I would never want to 
be in a foot race against Alfonso Davies uh, with money on it. I wouldn't want to be in a foot race against Alfonso Davies with a 50-yard head start. Like, I would definitely still find a way to lose that. He's been amazing. Not currently affected for this game, but in the future could be his safety in that left back position because Bayern Munich now have an interesting position where they don't have one and they don't have two, but they have three world-class left backs technically if you count Luca Hernandez as a left back and include David Alaba in that. You have three world-class left backs. And it was really funny earlier today. The idea was thrown out to have Alaba and Luca Hernandez in as center backs. Alaba made the remark that he had never remembered a time where they had two left-footed center backs, but in this team, he thinks that there's a way to work. When Luca Hernandez comes back, Tom, do you think that Alfonso Davies has performed well enough to basically lock his position as the first team starting left back? Yes, 100% I do, and especially from a standpoint of continuity you don't want to disrupt something that's been working uh, so well Uh, and even to credit Davies even further I think even if for whatever reason Flick does make the decision uh, to oust uh, Davies from that left back position whether it's by virtue of um, you know bringing Hernandez back as a center back and pushing Alaba out to the left or just putting Hernandez right into left back you know I I wouldn't even doubt Davies playing left wing you know I, I would I'm Still actually very curious to see how he would play there. Uh, But just based off of the sample sizes, you know, especially before Hernandez's injury, um, yes, we saw him deputized as both a center back and as a left back a few times. Uh, But I just think from what I've seen, yes, Hernandez has the legacy from his time at uh, Atletico Madrid. But you can't, when you're Hansi Hansi Flick, excuse me, you can't make your decision based off of that it's all based on the continuity how everyone's each player is playing with everyone else in the squad and how the squad is playing uh, as a collective so I think down the road uh, when Hernandez has made his way back and he's got more mittens under his belt and he comes back to full fitness it will take a while uh, for him to be removing anyone from the starting lineup uh, in the back line but for me the one glaringly obvious, you know, I know Alaba has said he can't remember the last time that Bayern had two left-footed center backs playing next to each other, but to me, uh, from left to right, you know, Davies, Alaba, Hernandez, Pavard seems a little bit more uh, stable than Davies, Alaba, Boateng, Pavard. Not not to discredit Boateng at all, but I just think he's always been uh, the weakest link this season, and you know, you're only as strong as your weakest link in the in, in the back line. So um, to answer your question, he 100% should continue on uh, as the starting left back. And I think that uh, with Hernandez's ability to play in the center or on the left, Flick has that flexibility there. And he should maybe look at uh, putting Hernandez back into the center back spot because I think with Niklas Sula, it's going to be quite some time. And I just don't think he's going to be ready before the end of the season. And I think he even faces a, a tight timeline to be fit for Germany in the Euros, which we uh, had written about earlier today. So Davies should 100% stay as the left back. Um, and well, we'll see. I mean, I'm not Hansi Flick. He's got difficult decisions to make. That's why they pay him the big bucks, right? Absolutely. I really I really think that Davies has this phenomenal potential to not only be Byron's future starting left back, but possibly one of the best Byron left backs that we've had either in 
club history or at least in this millennium and I know that he's come up against a lot of competition for that especially with the performances of David Alaba over the years but even more so than that I think Alfonso Davies has the potential to go down in history as the best outgoing transfer from MLS ever if he continues to play at this position he's let's all keep this in mind he's a really really good left winger but he plays the role that David Alaba played at left back so perfectly, contributing to the attack, contributing to the back line, that pace and physicality, as we mentioned before, he's basically a younger and I think in some cases better version of Alaba on that left wing and at that left back position. It's going to be really fun. <laughs> it's going to be a really fun next couple of years to watch him grow both as a player and positionally whether he goes to left wing or stays at left back but fun times are ahead for all of us fans of Alfonso Davies out there now Tom uh go ahead and tell me what you think this final score is going to be the previous fixture was a very close 1-1 draw what do you think is on the cards for this game in Munich? Oof. And especially uh, you know, the first time around at the Red Bull Arena, it was a 1-1 draw, but I thought Bayern, I thought that scoreline flattered Leipzig. I thought Bayern were by far the better side, a little bit wasteful in front of goal. And, you know, I believe it was a penalty that we had conceded that got uh, Leipzig back into the game. Uh, this time around, I think we are far better off than we were at that point in the season. Uh, mind you, the the game was very early on in the season. Uh, at the Red Bull Arena, so I think that this time we are much improved. We're a better look side. I would expect that triple midfield pivot, pivot excuse me, of Kimmich, Thiago, Goretzka to come back. The same back line. Um, I'm just interested to see whether Gnabry will ma- retain a spot in the starting lineup, or if he'll go back to pushing Muller out wide, or if he'll start Coutinho. Uh, there's some difficult decisions there, but going off of that, I, I think you can't. Like, the amount of goals we've scored in 2020 in the Rook Runda thus far, I mean, you absolutely can't bet against us scoring at least twice. There just hasn't been an occasion where we haven't done that. So I'm going to go at least two for Bayern, and I'm going to say 2-1. You know, I have to give a shout-out to Chuck if he's listening. I can see Timo Werner getting on the score sheet. Uh, I don't know if he ever has at the Allianz Arena yet uh, playing for Leipzig. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um you know, I, I can see us call. I can see him causing us some problems, and Nagelsmann coming out with a very tactically sound plan to disrupt us. But uh, I just think that our our attack will be will be too much in the end, and the open counterattacking football that Leipzig uh, like to play will uh, come back to bite them. So I'm going to go two one Bayern. I think it's going to be a little bit more of a high-scoring affair, though I do like that one goal difference at the end of the day. I think that. Timo Werner, shout out to Chuck. He will definitely score a goal here. That's my, at least my prediction. And that's nothing against the back line currently. It's just that he is a wrecking ball. He is unstoppable at this moment. At the same time, I also think Emil Forsberg would be able to score for Leipzig. For some reason, whenever he plays Bayern Munich, he usually performs out of his skin. I think he could do that again. Either him or Marcel Sabitzer could also be scoring goals here. But I think 3-2 to Bayern is a accurate final score line. I think that Lewandowski will be scoring 
because his requisite one goal per game uh, quota is still ongoing. I think the other two goals will go for the two most informed players in midfield that Bayern Munich have right now. I think Lewandowski is going to score a goal. I think the second goal is probably going to be scored by Leon Goretzka. And I think the final goal is going to be in between the 80th minute and stoppage time from the Rom Deuter himself. I'm predicting Thomas Muller will go ahead and kick in the game winner for Bayern Munich. So hopefully it's not that close. Hopefully my prediction is flat out wrong and we just obliterate Leipzig for nothing. But otherwise... I love to hope that my predictions hold true. My prediction for this Pokal match was 3-1, and for most of the match, it was 3-1 up until the very end when Louis scored and then Hoffenheim scored too. But uh, I don't know. Hopefully that prediction stands. I also have to jump in and say I have a very, very bold prediction. You know, I really think I'm putting my neck out on the line here. But hear me out, everyone. I believe that there is going to be at least one blistering 50-yard recovery run from Davies uh, to strip Timo Werner as he's on the counterattack, and it's going to quickly become a viral video clip on Twitter that people are just going to have on repeat (laughs) over and over and over. I know that's a lot to ask. Davies making a recovery run to save our skin, but, you know, it's going to happen, and it's going to happen to Werner. I think that's how the Lewandowski goal is going to come about. I think... uh, Alfonso, for some reason, Fonzie and Louis are a perfect match. They're a match made in heaven because you saw it in the Freiburg game. You saw it in uh, you saw it in other games. I can't have examples coming to my head right now, but Alfonso Davies sending in low crosses into the middle for Robert Lewandowski might become the new Robin Cunningham on the right wing because of how consistently it's been happening and how consistent that goal-scoring threat has been there with that pace and with him being able to put in perfect passes into the middle. I think that would be wonderful to see just see him break down the wing and see Bayern in flight attacking Willy Orban and that that back line of Leipzig to beat Peter Galashi and go up top that's that's the stuff that dreams are made of in my in my opinion but with that we are going to wrap up this episode thank you very much for listening be sure to like rate subscribe and download to us on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify and anywhere else you get you quality audio content follow us on twitter at bavarian fb works follow tom on twitter at tommy adams 71 follow me on twitter at jefferson fenner and for your great german and bayern soccer content follow us on bavarianfootballworks.com so until next time when we come out of this weekend with another episode of Bavarian Podcast Works. We will see you later. Auf Wiedersehen.